0: Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We're just so thrilled that you are here today. It's a very, very important weekend. It's a weekend that I've had circled because it's a time for us to share our vision. And if you know anything about vision, vision is a preferred future. Vision is what you see as possible. Every great disciple I know has a vision. Every great organization, not-for-profit, has a vision. And oftentimes, where people, churches, institutions go astray is they forget having their focus on the vision and they begin to drift. And, And what I love, what I love, what I love is when you can spend time beginning to listen, listening to what's happening in the world, listening to what's happening in a unique area that God has placed you, and begin to listen to the saints who are actually trying to embody the way of Christ. And you begin to listen to those themes. They begin to emerge. I love listening to podcasts. One of my favorite podcasts is called Presidential. And what Presidential does is it basically walks through how a president was elected. And basically it interviews the kind of foremost thinker historian on this president and talks about what was happening in their day that made this person so electable. It's amazing. Because sometimes even the best candidate didn't win because that candidate couldn't actually address the problem of the day. But somehow what is happening in culture, what was happening with the problem, and somehow with a whole bunch of money behind these presidents got elected. And I'll tell you what, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing podcast. But what about today? What's the problem of our day? What's the problem that every one of us knows someone, has experienced probably, feels deeply? I remember when I was a kid, I remember the, the, the kind of the word in school was don't do drugs. Remember the D.A.R.E. shirts? And then, and then the whole thing was around smoking. I grew up in California, and I remember they, they took smoking out of restaurants. And Some of us remember the days when you'd walk into a restaurant and you had to ask for the no smoking section. Now, now, very rarely do we ever see someone smoking. And you remember like on, the, on, on a carton? Like, a, 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 like a, a cigarette carton, there was the Surgeon General's warning. Smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, may complicate pregnancy. And I remember my dad smoked, and I can remember he'd take the tops down in the car, these T-tops, it was like Nissan 300ZX, and he'd, he'd pull out like a Marlboro, and he'd smoke, and I just, I just had this smell. I can remember it. I can remember it like I was eight years old listening to Billy Joel's Stormfront album with my dad going to a soccer game. And I, I could smell it. And then all of a sudden you're hearing these Surgeon General's warning, and I, I thought like the Surgeon General was kind of like this office. But you know it's an actual person. This is this is actually our surgeon general, Dr. Vivek Murphy. Yeah, some of you, some, of, yeah, some of you might know this man. Um, um, actually, really, really brilliant thinker. Brilliant thinker. And recently, he addressed the problem that is facing America. And he introduced a new epidemic that is actually wrecking our country. And here's what he said. He said that mental health is the defining public health crisis of our time. Mental health is the defining public health crisis of our time. And to be honest, in this congregation, we have some amazing therapists and counselors who are actually doing work. You're watching how mental health and, and amazing. Like teachers who are in classrooms working with kids who are wrestling with mental health. Many of us in this church have experienced bouts of depression and anxiety, stress. But what was amazing about what Dr. Vivek Murphy just did, and this actually dropped at the end of April, He made this 83-page statement document. Some of you might have read it. Some of you might have seen it. Some of you might have heard about it on the news. I remember reading this entire 83-page document. And what he introduced was this new epidemic, the epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And he writes these words, is not just affecting our mental health, but our emotional well-being, which is connected, but... Also, our actual physical health. Loneliness. Now, this isn't new, it's just new to get to us. In the UK, some of you have heard me talk about this, but the UK actually introduced a new parliament position the Minister of Loneliness. What a title. If you saw that person walking up to you at a party, you'd be like, I have friends, I promise. Get away from me, lady. Imagine that on your LinkedIn account. What are you? The minister of loneliness. (laughs) But what they are finding is the effects of loneliness. How it affects trillions of dollars in the workforce. How it affects families. How it affects communities. How it affects actually serving and loving. Not just our neighbor, but ourselves. If you go to the next slide, what you'll see is that loneliness is as detrimental to human health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. What it's doing. One in two. One in two Americans feel profoundly lonely. And I'm not talking about age groups. I'm talking one out of every two Americans feel this sense that I don't have my people. I don't have anyone that I can share when it goes well. I don't have anyone that I can share when it's difficult. I don't have anyone that actually can pray for me. I don't have anyone that can actually be in it with me. I don't have my people. and I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but I'll just be candid. I've had seasons where I felt that deeply. And I'm sure that many of you have. I'm going to go to the next slide. Because we have fallen for the myth of being connected. Deep within, many of us are feeling profoundly connected. How many of you downloaded the Thread app? Oh, nine of you, okay. Some of you are like, what's Thread? It's 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 just continued ego-driven drama between Elon Musk and, and Zuckerberg. It's all it is. And some of us like, just are all just eating popcorn, just wait until they fight in the Coliseum. But I'll I'll tell you, like, it's amazing. Every week there's like this new social app. I downloaded two new social media apps this past week, Thread and Lemonade. And and it's amazing. Like, you you have these opportunities, and and all of a sudden I'm getting notices. People follow you, people follow you, people follow you. I don't know these people. And, And it's amazing is that we can actually feel so profoundly connected. But when it really hits the fan and when the clouds of shame start raining and when you feel profoundly disconnected, who do you call? And yet we all walk around going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this many people on Facebook who, who get excited when I post. I got this many people on Instagram. I got people on Twitter. I got people who text message me. And yet one out of every two people in this country are profoundly lonely. And if you actually went to the majority of celebrities, they are profoundly lonely. It's not just like status. It's not just age. It's not just generation. People who consider themselves a part of the greatest generation that ever lived, many of them feel profoundly lonely. 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, profoundly lonely. Gen Z, profoundly lonely. Boomers, profoundly lonely. So what do we do about this? Let me go to the next one. A life disconnected is affecting our mental, emotional, and physical health. A life disconnected. And I want you to be really, really honest. I'm not, again, I'm not going to make you like, Talk to someone, because some of you I know, you're like, I'm an introvert, please, 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 don't make me raise my hand, don't make me talk to anyone. And some of you are extroverts, and you can talk to anyone, but you still feel more profoundly lonely in any room, even though you can chop with anyone. But here's the truth, a life disconnected, this is our problem. And it's not just affecting our mental and our emotional and our physical, here's what it's really profoundly affecting. Our spiritual. Our spiritual. And if I go back to presidential this podcast and I get really, really curious, is how did we get here? How did we actually get here? I grew up in Southern California and in Southern California in 1970. Some of you might have saw the movie The Jesus Revolution, but like what what actually happened was there was a movement on the beach, and if you could play the, the chord C, D, G, or E minor, people were getting baptized. It was weird. And all of a sudden, like those four chords were like the holy chords and people are getting saved and, and and they were coming out of this this whole hippie movement. And people wanted something more. We well, then you get to the Midwest. And you get to places like Chicagoland. And all of a sudden you have this emergence of like the Irish Catholics and, and Latino Catholics. You have the, this whole Catholicism or Lutheran background. You've got the Swedes, the Norwegians. You've got the Irish, the Polish. You've got all of these people. But the predominant sense was that church was built on rules and liturgy and keeping myself good. I grew up. In the Irish Catholic kind of background, this is kind of what was like brought into my world. And something happened, Jesus' revolution, something happened in in the 70s. Something happened in the 80s when all of a sudden this message that seemed so distant became uber personal. And Jesus became someone I could have a personal relationship with. And I love it. It's profound. Grace will change everything. I love it. But at the same time this was happening, culture was moving to a more individualistic society. So the whole thing, the whole kind of movement of culture and faith was the sense of, it's just you and God. And in some culture... In some part, culture was teaching, no, 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 you are God. You you, you do what you want to do. You make your decisions. You do whatever makes you happy. And then we start creating technological devices. And, and we name it the iPhone. Centering on the word I. The iPod. And... and Here's the deal. I'm, I'm an Apple guy. Lenny D, he's PC. He's PC all day. All right? He and nine other people. But, like, I can't, I can't send a group text because him and his Android. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Let's, let's take a moment and talk technology. And I'm going to get into the Bible in a second. But I need you, I need you to, like, feel this problem. Have you noticed with technology, so it moved to this I, 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 my relationship with God, me and God, God and me, some of us making God into our own image. The great quote is, God made us in his image, and we return the favor by creating him into our image. We have these iPhones. And then with technological devices, AI, all right, and I love technology, so don't, don't, I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade on this, but check this out, check this out. We gave Alexa a name. We gave Siri a name. Just stay with me for one second. A life disconnected now looks at AI and looks at technology, and we've humanized technology while dehumanizing humanity. So all of a sudden, I can, Alexa, Siri, or my wife, she uses James, who's this British Siri, and he talks to her, and I'm like, who are you talking to? He's like, oh, just James. Who's James? This Britain guy. And all of a sudden, when it comes to race, when it comes to the poor, when it comes to people who have different beliefs than we have, different sexual orientations than we might have, when we look at pornography, we have gotten so good at dehumanizing humanity and humanizing AI. And we are living a life disconnected. And I love what Jordan taught last weekend. How many, were you all here for Jordan's teach? Fantastic message. And what he began to, to unpack is the birth of the church. And you have to understand when the church, Began. It centered in a season of occupation. Rome is the superpower. People fractured from one another. Different tribes wouldn't interact with each other. It was messy. It was complicated. There was a lot of difficulty. And yet, and I love how he did this. He connected Genesis 11, the story of Babel, where we tried to get up to God, and God kind of scattered us. Then all of a sudden, God's coming down to us, and He's bringing us together. And then all of a sudden, these 12 high school students are like, what do we do now? What do, what do, what do we do? And really, if you, if you study the scriptures, in Acts chapter 2, it was them just incarnating the Lord's prayer. That was Jesus' vision. That was his mission. That was his preferred future of heaven invading earth. And this is what it was going to look like. And so they gathered and they did this. And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I want you to see this. I love this passage. Many of us, we grew in this passage. We learned about the church and about this passage. I love this. I love this. Straight from God's word, it says this. They, meaning this first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and a prayer. We'll stop right there. The word fellowship is the word koinonia in, in the original language. And, and that means to be together on mission. So, so you have this sense that a group of people are like, what do we do? How do we actually embody this spirit when we have all of these different tribes coming together and different nations coming together and different people coming together? How do we actually do this? And what do they do? They study. They studied the teaching. They studied the word. And they begin to actually embody this, empowered by God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, as Jordan said. And I love what he said about God's relentless, inclusive love and practicing the way of Jesus. That's what the church was. And they began to do this. And they broke bread. They sat around tables and they chopped, breaking bread. And when you broke bread, it literally meant that you were bound to one another. That's why Jesus said, eat with your enemies, because if you broke bread and you ate with them, they could no longer be your enemies. This was a group of people who in every right, in every reason, ought to have been disconnected. But they were choosing, as an act of spiritual formation, to be together. And they prayed. And it continues on in verse 43. And it says this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And really, what actually created the awe, the sense of awe and wonder? i mean, sure there was a moment of healing. We'll learn about this in Acts chapter 4. Yes, there's some, some moments. I think what actually created a sense of awe and wonder is that people were together. Let's just just be really, really honest. We live right now, and sociologists are calling it the age of outrage. And is it actually possible that a group of people who claim to believe the same God who sent the same Son and empowered the same Spirit to actually live life together? I think in this day and age, that would create awe and wonder. And I'm not saying that we're just nice people and we don't actually, we don't, we just kind of like, it's like my childhood, we dance and we we'll walk around eggshells and we don't talk about difficult topics. No, no, no. But you have to understand if your belovedness is in Jesus Christ, your identity is grounded in the one true Lord and Savior, then your true identity should be unoffendable. And the majority of Christians today are profoundly offendable. And if you don't believe me, just go on Facebook. <laughs> oh, just, just, you're just taking away my rights. Taking, what do we do, blah, blah, blah. And really, 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 it is easier to be disconnected. And the more difficult work is to sit around a table, to enter a home, to pray, to actually do what the apostles taught. And to be on mission together. It continues on. It says this in verse 44. It says this all the believers were together and had everything in common. I mean, you you can talk about this, and Jordan talked about it beautifully this individualistic spectrum to the collective. And really, this first church was like, we are actually in this together, we're in this together says this, verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's the truth. I actually think that The first church was so peculiar. A great book on the first church called The Peculiar People. They were such, like, one way one scholar describes that as such resident aliens. Their citizenship was in heaven, they were not of this world. They were like resident aliens here, and what they did confounded those around them. They didn't pick the same fights. They didn't push away from difficult topics. They didn't didn't actually shame those who were different. They rolled up their sleeves, and they saw that it was in Christ that held them together. Without Christ, without the Spirit, without God's love, they would live a life disconnected, and they knew what that looked like and felt like. But they understood, they understood what Christ came to do. And we see it in Ephesians chapter 2, which was to create a new humanity, a new kind of people. Not a life disconnected, but here's the vision, here's the heartbeat, here's the truth of our church, is that we want to do life together. And we're going to do life together. And we see it right, and I love how Eugene Peterson writes this. Eugene Peterson says that they committed, this is Acts 2, 42, his version, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles to the life together. And if I think about the problem that the Surgeon General began to say is that, man, we, we, we are living with this epidemic of loneliness and isolation. We are dealing with such profound mental health issues. We are dealing with a life disconnected. And here's the truth. The church has to admit that we got it wrong. Because I think, actually, in some ways, we were trying to deal with an issue, and the issue was, man, we got to make people realize they have this personal relationship with God. But what they did, and they didn't mean to do it. I don't actually believe that someone thought to themselves, oh, this is going to actually have some grave consequence in years down the road. But what they ended up doing with just creating this personal relationship with God, they gave people license to not be connected to each other. And at the first church, and the churches that you will see, As you read the New Testament, it was all about one-anothering. You're going to pray for one another. You're going to love one another. You're going to care for one another. You're going to bear with one another. You're going to forgive one another. You are going to encourage one another. You're going to serve one another. You, as Andy Stanley says, that the primary purpose of the local church is one-anothering one another. And we've just one-anothered ourselves. And so here's the heartbeat. And this is what we, Bria, Leonard, myself, Carrington, Eric, Parks, Lauren, Scott, um, Jeff Koppelman is our CFO, our our exec team, our staff. And our vision is to do the unthinkable. Is to get us from living a life disconnected to a life profoundly connected in Christ. And doing life together. And so what I want to do is I want to walk you through. Hopefully you were given this handout, this life together. And on the back, it looks like um, geometry. All right? If you have a pen, you can write. But I want to to talk to you because my hope is that these values will become something that you talk about regularly. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand. The legend Stephen Timlick will help you get one. But... My hope is that every one of us will begin to understand the values at which, if we embody this, we will meet that vision of doing life together. So, the first one is this backwards. And we know where we came from. If you think about the first church, the first church gathers, and what do they do? They study the apostles' teaching. And for us, if we are going to be the kind of people who do not go the flow and the current of culture that's living disconnected in so many ways, we got to recognize that this book, yes, inspired, but even more profound and compelling to me is that it continues to inspire. Is so that we have to know where we came from. And when you know where you came from, You're going to recognize that going backwards is always going to lead you to go forward. And going forward means that we go together. Christianity is not a solo sport, discipleship is not a solo sport. This has been collective from the jump. And we have to go together. So, who are you going together with? Who's your team? Who's your people? And in the next number of weeks, you're going to begin to hear Leonard. And we've talked about H3 and, and havens and homes and hubs. And you're going to begin to see all of this is trying to get us around the table, around people who are different, and watch how the presence of Christ draws us together. You go backwards. You go forwards. You go upwards. And this is where we are going to pursue God's presence. If you read the scriptures, you'll hear David say, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The presence of God used to be in in a temple. And now the truth is, every single one of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, you're standing on holy ground. Every moment of every single day, you ought to take off your shoes because you are standing where God already is. And if God is already there, then God is up to something. And the way that God actually decided to do this was put his image in every single one of us. You look at other religions, you build altars, you build buildings, you build idols. And God was like, I am not that. I'm going to trust that you will tell the world what I am like. And Jesus in Matthew 28, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you go out and make disciples. You go out and make apprentices. You go make students in Talmudim. And I will be with you always. And for me, there are so many moments of my day that I forget this. that I miss out on keeping the remain thing, the main thing, to remain, to abide, to abode in Christ, to make my home in Christ. And we're going to talk about this. I yes, there's going to be moments of, of worship, but it's also going to be some spiritual practices, moments where you can begin to listen and be attuned to what the Spirit, what holiness, what God and the Holy Spirit are speaking to us. We're going to go backwards Because we gotta know where we came from. We're gonna go forwards because we go together and we're gonna go upwards because we pursue God's presence. But we're not gonna stop there. We're gonna go inwards because we do our work. And none of us, none of us, none of us have arrived. We are all broken, we are all fractured, we are all in process. And every single one of us, whether through trauma, To bitterness, to resentment, to abuse, to pain, to struggle, to addictions, to just arrogance and pride. To actually having to like wrestle with majority culture and power and everything that we might have. We have to be the kind of Talmudim who actually allows the spirit to guide us. I think every one of us would be better if we had a therapist in our life and a spiritual director. And people who we were walking with and mentors. Because they're gonna just reflect back to you the beauty and the broken. We're gonna go backwards because we gotta know where we came from. We're gonna go forwards because we go together. We're gonna go upwards because we pursue God's presence. We're gonna go inward because we do our work. And friends, we are gonna go outward because we serve each other. And when I say each other, it's not just this room, it's this city. It's the northwest suburbs. We are going to serve each other because every person that we meet, whether they're a believer or not, was created in the image of God. Now, that is our values. Our vision, life together. Our values are these directions. People will ask, Steve, which direction are you taking the church? I'm like, oh, many directions. We're going to go backwards, we're going to go forwards, we're going to go upwards, we're going to go inwards, we're going to go outwards. But here's actually what I want you to see. I'm hoping that this little diagram will be a rule of life. The rule of life is something that I believe is really, really important that every Christ follower should have. It's a trellis at which helps you grow and become and bear the right kind of fruit. But I'm hoping that this directions will be something that you could talk about like, if you were actually chopping with someone for coffee or for lunch, I hope that they would ask you, hey, 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 what's it like going backwards? What you reading? Oh, I'm reading Acts. I'm reading the Psalms. I'm reading the Gospels again. Oh, like, who are you going forward with? Who are your people? Oh, yeah, I got this crew. We talk. Every week, every day, or we meet on Wednesdays. We play pickleball. Da, 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 da. Who are your people? How are you pursuing God's presence in the season? How are you stretching yourself to experience God's presence? And what work are you doing on yourself? And you've heard me say this, but nobody drifts to being holy. Nobody drifts to being humble. Nobody drifts towards being patient. You have to actually do work. Nobody drifts and goes, craziest thing. I'm no longer bitter. I'm no longer resentful. No, you got to do your work. And oftentimes that work requires guides and help. And who are you serving? How are you serving? What does it look like? When I think about serving, yes, I think putting on a towel, serving my neighbor, yes. You know what also serving is? It's recognizing that you have the greatest story inside you, a story of redemption. And honestly, I want us to be able to invite. I want us to be able to share. I want us to be able to pray. I want us to be able to serve. I want us to be able to do whatever it takes to point people to this life together. Because I guarantee you, one out of every two people in your work are living a a disconnected life and are struggling. And if you have the answer and you have the hope and you have a sense of connection, how can we not be the kind of people who just scatters those seeds and makes those invitations? I love what Jordan said last week. It's, it's, it's about invitations, not expectation. I don't have any expectation that people will come. I don't have any expectation that people will let me serve. I don't have any expectation. But I'm going to keep making that invitation. Because that's what you see in the book of Acts. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Alright? Before we just rush out of here. You're going to hear us talk about this. Backwards. We know where we came from. Forwards. We go together upwards we pursue God's presence inward we do our work and outwards we serve each other here's what I want you to do right now is I want you to take just 90 seconds and if you backwards is is kind of learning the story of God what are you reading right now hopefully maybe it's the Acts plan with us what are you working on if you're going forward who are the people you're going forward with who are your people who's your team If you're going upwards, you're pursuing God's presence, what does that look like? Where are you stretching yourself? Into uncomfortability, to experience and be attuned. If you're going inward, what are you working on right now? In your heart, your mind, your soul, your body. And if you're going outwards, who are you serving? So take 90 seconds, write that stuff down. You don't have to turn it in. You won't be graded on it. Part of this journey is us creating frameworks so that you can actually take and allow the spirit to guide you as you leave this place. 90 seconds. Backwards is Acts and the Psalms. For me, forwards, I've got a lot of friends, um, but I realize I'm not doing life together. And that, that God has just been convicting me on that. Um, I talk to my best friend every day in California, but I'm like, man, I gotta I got figure that out more for here. Upwards is all around the word attunement for me. I'm trying to get better at hearing the voice of God in the everyday. Inwards, I still just struggle with forgiving and patience. And the question that God has been speaking to me is the one that Jesus said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well emotionally? Do you want to get well physically? Do you want to get well mentally? Do you want to get well spiritually? So that's what I'm working on with my counselor, spiritual director. And then outward, I made this commitment um, that if I see someone who's wearing some sense of sports, I'm going to talk to them about sports and make an invitation. That's what I'm trying to do. And then also trying to get more plugged in in Elgin to learn how to serve. That's for me for the next, I don't know, three months. But you start doing this. I'm telling you, you're going to start to grow and you're going to see Jesus bear fruit through your life. Well, that's our vision next week I'm so pumped Jackie's back preaching Jackie glass she's awesome she you all loved her I got a bunch of emails from her and then I'll be back the next week and then Lenny D's up to teach and so we're excited we're gonna dive into acts um hey but would you stand to your feet and before we go I also want to let you know one other announcement Um, We had told you that we are just doing one service through, like, the the beginning of August. Um, But this has gone so well. And actually, Rockford is is actually starting this next week. And they're going to run it through Labor Day weekend. And we thought, this is probably just smart that if someone goes to our website, we're consistent. And this has been so fun. And with baby gate, it helps us. And so we are actually going to go just continue one service for like three more weeks, and then we'll be back to two services on September 10th. But with that, would you put out your hands? And I'd love just to give you a blessing, my brothers and sisters of Forest City Church. May we attack the problem of our day. May we not actually choose faux connection but actually choose even in the midst of feeling disconnected and, and experiencing hurt or, or, or fear or worry of being let down. I, I pray that your spirit would give us the courage to open our hearts, our minds, our lives to one another. And that somehow you would use this community that would be so rooted in you, your son, your love, your spirit Figure out what it actually means to one another, one another. So bless, my friends. Keep them. Be gracious to them. And may this week, may they go backwards. May they be in your word. May they go forwards and find their people. May they go upwards and pursue your presence. May they go inward and do their work. And may they go outward, taking this story, this redemption story, to serve those around them. May you bless them. And all God's people said, Amen. Grace and peace.